Thank you, Corey. It's always a pleasure watching you work and uh, do the work of the Lord. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for this house. Um, for actually Aaron and Nicole. I don't know where Nicole's at. I know Aaron's. Thank you guys so much. I'm always so blessed to be invited back to speak. <laughs> uh, you never know what's going to happen, but um, I'm just teasing. Uh, I just want to uh, just give you guys just a heads up right now. Some notes are going around, so this is going to be a little new for some of you. Um, I'm going to teach today and not preach, so the, the subject that I'm going to talk about and cover is not something that I believe uh, you can get in a drive-by. It's something you've got to really sink your teeth into and dive into, uh, and so I wanted to give notes for those of you that want to go into it, but actually more for everybody that should go into it. Uh, into this topic that we're going to cover today. So this will be new for some of you, for those of you like Corey and Anna, and for Baylor, who've spent some time at IHOP. These look very familiar. Uh, this is the format I've been using for 10 years. It's a very similar format to what we use out there for teaching notes. Um, but if you do not have the notes, go ahead and raise your hand. And if the ushers come around and meet you, the other option you want to pull that little link up for me? For those of uh, you millennials who are fine and comfortable with a digital version, type that in. It's just a little tiny URL. Go there, and you can get a PDF online. <clears throat> I tried to post it all on the Facebook page, and it was being dumb and wouldn't let me. So we're just going to go for it today. So as Corey said, and I'm glad you, you touched base on this a little bit, we are, uh, actually Lily and I, my daughter, where's Lily? Oh, she's right down front. Everybody say hi, Lily. <laughs> Lily and I are going to Israel uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, Lauren is somewhere. Uh, so actually, here's the thing. Lauren wants to go to Israel, but Lauren is physically incapable of going because of her health. And so if you guys right now, let's just pray. I'm going to pray for Lauren. We're going to pray for Lauren. Stretch out your hands just kind of towards the back because she's somewhere. Um, and we're ju just pray for healing and breakthrough because she really wants to go. We really want her to go, but the Lord has to heal her and break in so she can physically make the trip. So God, we just ask you right now, Father, you, <laughs> you are good. You are good and capable. You are willing you are the willing God who heals. Jehovah Rapha is your name. You are the God who heals. So we ask you right now, stretch out your hand to heal, release signs and wonders in this very house and bring healing to her body. God, for the sake of your people even, for the sake of Israel, for the sake of Jerusalem, God, as we would go, that Lauren would go and preach the gospel to your people for your glory because that's what it's about. God, do it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So keep praying that until it happens. So we're going to Israel. So today, that's what I want to talk about. I'm going to slide this over. Okay. Today, I want to talk about the subject of the covenants of God with Israel and how they relate to the gospel and the mystery of the gospel. Okay, so that's the big word today, mystery. How many of you have ever heard of, in scripture, the mystery? Okay, do you know what it is? <laughs> it's a mystery, right? So we're gonna talk about the, the covenants of God, the mystery, and the gospel. 
and how they're all intimately woven together. My goals today, number one, is to connect you and connect the dots, as it were, on the significance and the importance of Israel and the Jews to the gospel message. And, and what I want to, to kind of unpack that just for a second, this is generally how we think of it. We think of, most of us, I did too, we think of the gospel as this thing over here, right? The good news that is about salvation and repentance and forgiveness of sins, and it's a specific message, and it is, okay? But then we think of subjects like Israel and the end times as these little side subjects for those of us in the church that want to go a little bit deeper and, and understand some more of the complicated subjects, right? The reality is they are intimately woven together in one message that I believe is what Jesus calls the gospel. So today we're going to talk about the gospel in relation to Israel and, and God's chosen people. So turn with me in your Bibles to Romans 11. I'm going to try to do the same. If you don't have your Bibles... Pull out your phones. I know you're going to be on them anyway. It's okay. No judgment here. Okay. So in Romans 11, starts with this one phrase. Paul says, I do not desire that you should be ignorant of this mystery. There is some real urgency here. And this is where I want to share today. I don't desire that we, as the body, would be ignorant of the mystery and the glory that God has for Israel. We need to know something, and we need to press in and pay attention to this passage, to this story, and to the mystery. So now I want to just say, the mystery is no longer mysterious. Okay? The mystery was something hidden in the very heart of God since before creation began. So somewhere... In eternity past, the council of the Godhead, so Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are sitting around planning. And they're planning what is called the mystery and the mystery of the gospel. And over the course of generations, it was hidden away from the hearts of men and prophets and apostles. And even the angels did not understand this until Jesus came and proclaimed with his mouth the mystery, and then the mystery was revealed to the apostles and prophets, okay? And if you guys begin to study this and dive into the messages of Paul, Paul brings up the mystery over and over and over and over again. It is his primary message, is the message of the mystery of the gospel. And it's important that we understand this, this is why he brings it up, because you can only partner with, okay, and participate or cooperate with the parts of God's plans that you agree with, okay? The mystery of the gospel is God's family plan, and you can only partner with his family plan if you agree with it, and you can only agree with the things that you understand. So it is important that we take time and that you take this home with you, again, this is why the notes, to dive into this and gain understanding and revelation of this mystery. There's a couple of reasons for that, okay? When we start, here's, here's a phrase that, Corey, you've probably heard, Baylor, you've probably heard a hundred times. This is one of my favorite phrases, okay? There is no greater pleasure 
than when God reveals God to the human spirit. Right? Oh, man, I, this is what I love to teach. I love teaching. I love preaching. Preaching is great. I love teaching and diving in because I love when the light bulb goes off in somebody else and you see it. It's like, oh, it feels so good. Like when they can, when your heart, when I see your heart connect with the heart of the Father, it ignites my heart. But there is nothing greater. That's just secondary pleasure to when God does it for me, right? But if I get to participate in him doing it for you, it's amazing. I love to teach, right? But we have to understand and therefore agree with his message. That way we can partner with, pray, intercede, and do the work that he's called us to do. Particularly, it's hard to say, in regards to the subject of Israel. So I do not desire that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you become wise in your own opinion. Arrogant is a better way to say that. We have to understand this, or we will get arrogant and shove off or put aside or ignore God's plans for Israel. And that is a very, 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 very dangerous place to be. So my secondary goal, that was my primary. My secondary goal is I want to connect your heart to God's storyline. Okay, if we don't understand and perceive his storyline, we'll make up our own. If we don't understand the biblical narrative, we'll have a different narrative, right? We'll have the world's narrative, we'll have social media narrative, we will have... uh, uh, the media's perspective and narrative on things, right? We have to get a biblical narrative, a biblical understanding of the narrative and storyline of God, and then we can actually begin to engage and intercede, and the Lord can connect our hearts to his heart in the midst of it. So, Roman numeral two, let's actually jump into the notes here. So the mystery of the gospel, God's family plan. So I'm going to read this verse. Is Romans 16, 25 to 26. To him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the foundation or since the world began, but now is made manifest by the prophetic scriptures and made known to all nations. So the mystery of the gospel kept secret has now been made known to us. But if you don't know what it is, you can't partner with it. So let's learn for a second and, and, and study what it is. There is a secret family plan that Jesus called the mystery of the gospel, which was hidden away from humanity and the angels since creation began. The mystery, and I said this already, was conceived in the council of the Godhead before creation began. But now the secret is out. Let's just pause. (laughs) Thank you that the secret is out. God, thank you that we can perceive your plans and we can agree with them and partner with them and help you to fulfill them. Thank you, God, that your marvelous plans have been revealed. So the New Testament highlights the mystery of the gospel multiple times, but it highlights seven key aspects or components of that gospel message. Now, I, I did hear, I was, funny enough, I was prepping this message, and I texted Aaron and said, okay, so um, what do you want me to teach on? I was already working on this. I just wanted to know. 
He's like, oh, you can teach on whatever you want. You can talk about whatever you want. He's like, just know that we've been talking about the gospel. And I said, that's great. I'm talking about the gospel. So, like, the Lord already had this planned before we got here. So here's, I'm just going to breeze through these portions because our focus today is number seven. All right, and these are in no particular order, okay? But just my point here is to bring up the, the different components of this gospel message. Many of these are often overlooked. So the first one is the convergence of heaven and earth, meaning that in God's plan for a family, okay? It's all about a family plan that God has designed. He, his goal, his end vision is to bring heaven and earth and all things together in one, in unity, right? Heaven, earth come together as it was in the garden, face-to-face communion with God on the earth forever. Beloved, I need you to hear this. You're not gonna die and go float off on a cloud somewhere. You're gonna die, be resurrected, and live on the earth with God forever in face-to-face communion. The earth does not just disappear. Heaven and earth come and unite together and his throne is on the earth in Jerusalem forever. And you will walk the earth with him and walk the garden with him as it was with Adam. That was a mystery that has now been revealed. Number two, the incarnation of Christ. Again, components of the mystery. Nobody understood that God could become flesh. Nobody. But Christ took on flesh. The word of God became, John 1, became flesh and dwelt among us. Part of the mystery, now been revealed. That, That one we all know, right? Everybody knows that. Jesus is a man forever and he f- will forever be a man. This, and, and I want to I say this, this wasn't something that just kind of happened. It wasn't plan B. Remember the council of the Godhead, the three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternity past, and then they create heaven and earth and they create the garden and they're just like, oh, let's go ahead. We can rest now. It's the Sabbath. And then they just so happen to look over. Ah, oh, Adam, you sinned. Ah, oh. This is not what happened, okay? They didn't just, it didn't just happen, and they're, okay, what do we do now? And God looks at Jesus, and Jesus is like, don't look at me. <laughs> like, that, 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 that's not what happened. They planned this, and they knew from the beginning, and Jesus volunteered his tribute. Sorry, that was a Hunger Games reference. Um, that is mahogany. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, number three, the indwelling Christ. That was for all of you lovers of books and movies um, the mystery of the indwelling Christ Colossians 1:27 says that God willed to make known the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles so he desired this he wanted us to know this right that this part that Christ is in you the hope of glory Christ in you now if you if those of you who've studied the Greek and I, I, I learned this from my my dad he's back there in the back in you is really in y'all Christ in y'all, the hope of glory. That's the language. Better even than that is Christ in all y'all, the hope of glory, okay? The the point of this is tied to the other parts of this mystery is that it requires community. It requires union. You alone cannot contain the fullness of God's glory. 
Your body can't handle it. Even a glorified your body can't handle it. It requires many together in one to contain the indwelling Christ. Christ in y'all. The mystery, the the fourth part here, is the mystery of the resurrection and the mystery of the resurrected body. Again, these are realities that weren't known, but here Paul says to the Corinthians said behold the mystery and I'm not lying hear this you're not all going to die some of you will be transformed in a moment into glory not everyone dies many of us will all of the apostles are dead so far as we know right so far as we know they all died but they will be resurrected into a glorified, perfected body like Jesus was. Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. How many of you have heard that reference? Firstborn from the dead. If he's firstborn, what do you think that implicates? That there's more to be born. Not, he was the only born. He is the firstborn from the dead. And so we too will be resurrected in a human body that is perfect and glorified. But there are those at the end of the age, and again, now I want, I want you to recognize, the end times is tied into the gospel message here. At the end of the age, there are those of us who will just meet God in the air and have a glorified body instantaneously. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then we will meet him in the air as he comes and descends to the earth to take dominion with the title deed over the earth. That is part five. Part, was that part four of the mystery of the gospel? Again, these are no particular order. I just picked an order. Part five, part five here, number five, the mystery of the bride of Christ. This portion of the mystery of God is in reference to Jesus, who is a beloved, loving bridegroom. Amanda, you brought this up this morning. We were reading Song of Solomon. Up there as a group, the Song of Solomon. The entire message of the Song of Solomon is a love letter from Jesus to the church. He is a passionate, zealous bridegroom who is coming at the end of the age for a perfect, spotless, unified bride. He is zealous for you with great zeal. He is passionate for you in love and affection. This was a great mystery. The mystery of Christ and the church, but it's now been revealed. This is why we marry, as a picture of Christ's love for the church. Part six, the one new man, the mystery of the one new man. This is pulled out of Romans 11. You can see it in Ephesians 2, 11, 3 to 21, 3, 21. You can also see it in John 17. Jesus prays for everyone. Okay, so he starts out, he's praying for himself, and then this is the longest prayer, right, is Jesus. John 17, go study this one. He's praying, and then he ends up, the last seven or eight verses of John 17, he's praying for everyone, and he says, Father, let them be one with me as I am one with you. Let them be one in another, love one another in one another as I am in you and you are in them, and you are in me and I am in them and you are in me. What? Yeah, it's about that confusing, but that's the mystery, right? That Christ, he says, uh, you have loved me and you love them with the same love that you love me. Let me say that in another way. Beloved, God loves you with the same love that he loves Jesus. 
God love the Father loves us with the same love that he loves himself. And here's the mind-blowing part of that. He is love. So his love of loving you is putting love in you that you can love and love each other and love him. Does that make any sense? <laughs> you can't get this in a, in a drive-by. You can't get this message in passing and you will never graduate from this message onto something else. You have to eat the scroll. That's what Isaiah says. Take the scroll and eat it and let it get in you and develop in you and transform you by the renewing of your mind. You have to take this message seriously, the message of the gospel. This is the transformational power of Jesus in you, in y'all. One new man together. And then part seven, which is, this is actually the topic of today, <laughs> the mystery of Israel. Gaining understanding of this mystery of the gospel produces in us humility. It connects us to the heart of God. <clears throat> it motivates us. It fuels our missions, our ministry. It fuels our spirit. It shifts and changes our worldviews and our perspective. I'm getting a little excited and I haven't even talked about the mystery yet but I, I want you to catch something here at the end of Romans 11 okay Paul is describing in Romans 8, 9, 10, and 11 he's describing these, these dynamics of the mystery and it's like I, I know he had it already but it's like he's getting revelation as he's teaching okay and he is so undone by it he's uh, he is be, utterly beside himself at the end of, of chapter 11, he steps out of teaching and he just wails. Oh, the wisdom and majesty. Oh, the glory of your perfected plan, your purposes. He does it again in Ephesians 3. At the end of Ephesians 2 and 3, he does it again. He steps out of the story just to marvel at the greatness of God being revealed in the mystery. Oh, the mercy of God that we little us get to perceive his mind and what he's what he has held back from creation so when you start to connect with it it starts to transform your heart and you start to actually connect with his heart that's what paul paul's doing right he starts to marvel it's going to move your heart it shifts our worldview when we start to understand these things we start to we we get out of our own narratives the worldly narrative, we get out of the pop culture narrative, and we begin to get into the biblical perspective and narrative. We get and understand the biblical storyline as we understand the gospel, the message and the mystery of the gospel. When we start to understand it, we start to view things through that lens. Let's just, I just want to take one example, okay? One example of, of what I mean by this. So, homosexual marriage is a moral issue, the issue of, of homosexual marriage in the, in, our, in the body today and in America today is a moral issue. We have to get beyond the moral issue and begin to discuss the biblical issue and get a biblical perspective on this issue. Why? Because when we start to see this, we start to see that things happening in the culture are not just moral issues. They are direct assaults on the preaching of the gospel. Let me, let, me, let me unpack that a little bit just using this example, okay? There is so much confusion 
in and outside of the body of Christ around the issue of homosexuality and homosexual marriage, okay, that it's bound to lead us to this reality, to this, this end, end response of saying, you know what, let's just forbid marriage. Let's just, let's just stop doing weddings. Why? Let's stop doing marriage because there's confusion, there's controversy, there's trial and trouble. Let's just end it. Do you know there's biblical passages that refer to that? Paul writes to Timothy and he says, the spirit expressly says that at the end of the age, they will be forbidden to marry. Now, how does this relate to the gospel? Try to preach the message of Jesus as a bridegroom lover of a bride to a culture that has forbidden marriage. That is a direct attack on preaching of the gospel. But you have to get the biblical perspective to begin to understand that. We could talk about others. We could talk about Israel. If, if we understand, and we're going to get to this in a moment, that Israel, being in the land, being a nation, being a people, being God's chosen people, is part of the gospel. When you eradicate the land, expel them from the land for 2,000 years, guess what you don't do? Preach the gospel. Because there is no Israel, so you begin to create your own storyline. We'll get to that in a second. Oh, the depths of the rich. I, I just, I have to read this. This is 1133. I already mentioned it. But oh, Paul says, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his ways past finding out for who, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has known the mind of the Lord? We get to know the mind of the Lord. All right, let's jump to Roman numeral number three. This is part seven. Component seven. So Roman numeral number three, the mystery of Israel. And this is what I really wanted to unpack today. And hopefully we still have time, but we're just going to do it. It's fine. Right, Nicole? It's fine. It's totally fine. Okay. <laughs> Paul says again, I do not desire. I'm going to read these two passages. They're, they're intimately woven together. I do not desire that you should be ignorant of this mystery. This is 11, 25, and 26. Lest you become wise in your own opinion and blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So all Israel will be saved. Jump to 11, 11 and 12. He said, Paul says, to provoke, in order to provoke Israel to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. If Israel's fall, temporary, and I'm going to get to that, is riches for us, the Gentiles. You're all, uh, how many of you, are, are any of you Messianic Jews? Praise the Lord. Thank you. Amanda's a little, right? That's fine. Take it. Okay. The rest of us are Gentiles. That's you, all y'all. Okay. If Israel's fall is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fullness be? Okay. So this is what we're going to unpack today, this mystery. Paul felt urgency on this. I said that already. It's connected to the heart of God. The subject of Israel is ultimately about the revelation and the glory of the knowledge of God. Now, I want to pause here and think about this for a second. There's kind of two camps that you can take on this. The reality of the salvation of Israel, it's not really about Israel. It is, but it's not. It's about the glory of God being manifest and revealed in all of the earth. That's what it's about. And we have two kind of, you can, kind of two camps. You can either think too highly of Israel, <laughs> Right? Or you can think too lowly of Israel. You can ignore Israel, 
and, and be at en enmity with God or you can be too much in Israel's camp and be at enmity with God, right? You've got to get in the middle, that middle ground of don't, don't like agree with and, and, and don't get in a place of um, being a better friend to Israel than God is, okay? That's what I want to talk about today. That's really what I want to hit here. <clears throat> so in this particular component of the mystery, the mystery of Israel, there's five parts you can see in those two passages that we just read. And I'm going to break those down so that we, by the end of it, can respond like Paul. Because that's my real goal today is I want your hearts to fall in love with God that you would see what he sees and think what he thinks about Israel and the Jews so that you would respond and partner with him based on your understanding, based on the revelation that he gives you, based on agreement. So the mystery, the first part of the mystery of Israel is the mystery of Israel's spiritual blindness. So Israel right now is under a spirit of stupor, Paul says in Romans 9. Do you know where that came from? God. God put them under the spirit of blindness. It is from him. He allowed their hearts to be hardened against Jesus and the gospel. But I want to say this, it is temporary. Number one, it is temporary. It is not, number two, not total. It is not utter blindness. They did not fall that they should be completely cut off. They temporarily fell, and they are temporarily blinded. It is partial and temporary. And you can see this, even in the, the partiality, even in the reality right now, that there are Messianic Jews not only in the room, but in the nations. Estimates are between 250 and 400,000 believing Jews who believe in Jesus. They are not Christians. They're Messianic Jews. There's a difference, okay? And there's roughly between 10 and, last, I've read various numbers, but it could be between 10 and 50,000 in Israel itself. Messianic believers. Jewish people who believe Jesus is the Messiah. Praise the Lord. We need more of that. And, and I, I've got some notes here on some covenants. This is where the covenants tie in, Okay? lest we think Israel is, God is done with Israel in our, what did I say before, arrogance. Lest we think in our arrogance that God is done with Israel and has chosen someone else. Let me, let me, say, it, let me say it to you this way. If I have a son, two sons, okay? How many of you have children? How many of you have two sons, okay? And the elder son, you make some promises to and you love affectionately. And at some point in his life, he stops talking to you. He doesn't come to your house anymore. He utterly despises you, okay? Does that, does that mean that the second son is the first son now? No. I have an older brother. I'm not Stephen. If my brother Stephen is completely and utterly rejects my family, my dad and mom in the back, that does not make me Stephen. I am still Andrew. And there are still promises for my brother. There are still promises waiting from God. A way better father than my dad, and I love you, daddy. You're a great father, okay? There are way better promises from a way better dad to way worse sons than my brother, right? And that does not mean that he is done with them if they reject him. 
God is not done with Israel. There are promises for him, for Israel, the people, that I don't get. But maybe, maybe by adoption, I get a piece of them. Do you understand that? These covenants, three in particular, are unconditional from God. There are multiple covenants, okay? And a covenant is something in blood that is bound and fulfilled by the one who makes the covenant. It doesn't rely on us. It relies on the one making the covenant, God. God made three covenants in particular, three key we're going to talk about today, okay? Number one is the Abrahamic covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham, okay? And Abraham, father of Isaac, father of Jacob, also known as Israel, this is a bloodline promise, and that bloodline, the, the, the Abrahamic covenant is basically this, God, two, twofold, God chose a people, and God chose a location. God chose Israel, and God chose Jerusalem. That's what the covenant is about, and it gets broken down a little bit more clearly in Deuteronomy, where he describes what that place is, that location, and it's the nation of Israel, and in particular, Mount Zion and Jerusalem. David says that God chose Zion to dwell on forever as his resting place on the earth forever. Okay, Zion is, is a mount in Jerusalem. So that's the Abrahamic covenant. God will fulfill this. It is unconditional. The second covenant is the Davidic covenant. This is the covenant that God made to David. And in the covenant that God made to David, he says, he reaffirms, number one, the Abrahamic covenant. He reaffirms that he's chosen a people. He reaffirms that he's chosen a place, which David prophesies and sings about in the Psalms over and over. Then he goes on and he adds a little bit to that covenant. And he says, not only have I chosen a people and a place, I've chosen a specific bloodline, your seed, David, the root and branch of Jesse of, of, in David's line who will sit on a throne in that location and rule over those people forever. Jesus, okay? That's Jesus. Jesus is the descendant of David. But God chose the people, the place, and he chose a king from that bloodline. And then the third covenant is the new covenant in my blood that we just partnered with in communion. This is the new covenant in my blood. It does not do away with the old covenants, but it is the means by which he actually fulfills the old covenants. Who can live forever and sit on the throne of David? One of his sons. Who was that? Jesus, who is now eternal, the Godhead sitting on the throne of David. The new covenant is the fulfillment of the old covenants. It's how it will happen, but they haven't been fulfilled yet. How do you save a nation? Through its bloodline. And so God establishes the new covenant to fulfill these old ones, but he will fulfill them. He is required to fulfill them. And I said some of this already. I have an interesting paragraph here, paragraph three, that the human heart is, um, has a propensity and is prone to arrogance when we enjoy special favor from God. So lest you look at Israel and you say, oh, those Jewish people, oh, they were so arrogant and they got so proud and the Lord just ended them and cut them off and now it's our turn. No, don't go there. If God had chosen your people, I'm from mostly Germany. Let's just say we're German, mostly German. If God had chosen the Germanic people instead of Israel, guess who would have gotten arrogant? 
the Germanic people. If God had chosen South Africans, guess who would have got arrogant? South Africans. If God had chosen America, and in some ways he did, guess who gets arrogant? America. Because the favor of God rested on the people that he chose. And so they begin to think, I can do anything. I can function however I want. There's no, there's no judgment on my sin. There's no, no, nothing that comes against us. God chose us. And so we get to walk in the fullness, right? Arrogance. And guess what comes after arrogance? Blindness. Blindness. You, you get in this place of arrogance of your righteousness and what God has given you and then when judgment or things begin to happen to those around you, first, you're, because you're in your complacency, you just kind of let it go. You say nothing. You stay silent. You don't respond. Then the next thing that happens is you actually engage with it. You begin to partner in that persecution. Those things that are happening. Look at Germany's history. The church was involved in the persecution of the Jews. Do you understand that? Why? Because the church, the church got arrogant and was blinded to God's plan and then became apathetic at first to what was happening to his chosen people. Then after their apathy, they actually began to lock into it and do it themselves because they be, the, the Lord allowed their hearts to be hardened and they became blind. And the Lord cut them off. Paul says here in, in Romans 11, he says, don't be haughty. Don't be arrogant. But fear God. Fear his plans. <laughs> Pay attention. For God, if God didn't spare his first son, Israel, what makes you think he will spare you and not cut you off entirely. There's a little fear of the Lord in that. Get on board with my plans, lest you engage, disengage, get apathetic, and then actually become the persecutor. Get engaged with his plans and his purposes, lest the Lord actually cut you out of the tree. You've only been grafted into the olive tree. You are not the root Jerusalem, Israel is the root and we get grafted in and Paul says this, you know what? If you get off, if you get focused on yourself, if you start thinking God has chosen you above others, who's to say he won't actually just tear you out and cast you into the fire, let you wither for a little bit. Engage with it. Sorry, I went off a real tangent there. But the mystery of the gospel, again, part one, is that Israel is blinded in part. I love this whole passage, man. I love Romans 11. This whole thing. Paul, again, I'm just going to read this. I'm jumping out of the notes here. I want you to see this. I'm going to read this whole passage here. Concerning the gospel, they, Israel, are enemies for your sake. I'm in, I'm in 28, 11, 28. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Again, I'm not my brother. For as you were disobedient, you, all y'all, were disobedient, yet have now obtained mercy, through their disobedience, you obtained mercy. They were disobedient, and so God let you receive mercy because they were disobedient. 
in the coming days, the mercy shown to you will, will be mercy to them. Your disobedience will be obedience and mercy to them. See, this is the family plan dynamic. God wants a family of brothers who are wholly dependent on one another's faults and mercies, intimately woven together, inseparable. He wants us dependent on Israel, and he wants Israel dependent on us. And so, for a season, he put them under blindness that we might come in, and then here's the, full, the, the plan, and then we come into fullness of God. Okay, this is part two the mystery of the fullness of the Gentiles, we enter into the fullness of God. That provokes, part three, Israel to jealousy, and they say, I want what you have with my father. Then part four, they all get saved. And then part five, life from the dead. Israel enters into Israel's fullness. That's what's happening here in Romans 11. And this is when Paul sees this, he falls down. Oh, the mercy of God. Oh, the goodness of the Lord. Who has known the mind of God? Let's unpack that in just a second. So the fullness, this is the, so l- let me repeat it and then we'll unpack it. Israel is blinded in part so that the Gentiles would be saved. That's us. That's all y'all. Okay? We enter into fullness of God. What is fullness of God? So the fullness, or the fullness of the Gentiles includes the fullness of the number of us that will be saved. So it's a numerical thing, right? But it's also the fullness of godly character. It's the fullness of power. It's the fullness of the manifestations of what happened in the, uh, the, uh, the exodus, in the wilderness. It's God showing us himself like he showed Israel in the desert signs and wonders and power and miracles and fire and brimstone and lightning on the mountains and darkness covering the deep. It is God revealing himself to us in fullness. That is the fullness of the Gentiles. That's going to happen. Israel, part three then, looks at us and is provoked to jealousy. They look at us and our relationship with our father who is their father. And they're going to say, what is this? What meaneth thou this? Right? What is going on? They're going to see the end time, right? They're going to see the book of Acts, the end times book of Acts happening, which like they're going to see another great exodus occurring. Okay? Pillars of fire and smoke and moon turned to blood. And they're going to, what does this mean? How do you, that looks a lot like the God of Abraham. And we'll say, It is the God of Abraham. You are our brother. That is our father who is your father. And they're going to say, I want what you have. That that promise belongs to me. That's not yours. That's mine. And they'll, they'll lock in and engage. And in a moment, all of Israel will be saved. They will be the first nation in history to all, and everybody say this, all, wave your hand across the whole room, all, how many? All. Right. They will all be saved. How many of them? All of them. 
everyone that survives Jacob's trouble or the, the great tribulation at the end of the age, every Jewish person left standing on the earth at Jesus' return will be saved in a moment. And that is the first fruits of salvation to the earth. When that nation enters into the promise of fullness of salvation, the whole earth gets to enter into the fullness of God's glory. But they will all be saved in a moment and in a day. And then the final part there, again, is the fullness of Israel. So what, does, what is that? It's the same reality. Take what we just talked about with the fullness of the Gentiles and multiply it by, I don't know, 10 billion. Right? <laughs> the, the books can't even be written. The earth could not contain the books of all of the works that Jesus did on the earth while he walked on the earth. You guys have heard that phrase that's out of, the, out of the scripture? Now imagine when we as believers are walking in fullness together. Remember, we talked about this with the gospel. All y'all are walking together in unity, able to contain the fullness of God's glory. Able to contain, right? What that's going to look like because we will be able to contain it all together, Jew and Gentile both. What does, what does that look like? Well, it looks... It looks like a vegan earth. What? <laughs> the lion will lie down with the lamb. They will beat their swords into plowshares. There will be no war. There will be no tears. There will be no sickness. There will be the glory and manifest presence of God face to face, not just in the cool of the day, as Adam had it in the garden, but in the heat of the day in the darkness of the night the fullness of God dwelling within and with the human experience within humans that is the fullness of Israel that's what it looks like Paul says very specifically again if their rejection if their rejection was salvation for you for all y'all what will their fullness be but life from the dead for the whole earth? God, beloved, God has a plan for a family. He has a plan for a family in unity, one in him and him in us and us in each other and us in the Father, right? Me and him and I and them. That we would be with him where he is that we would behold his glory. He has a family plan, but he wants us to engage with it. We need to see it. We need to understand these things. And look, I've just blasted through this whole set of notes. Take it home and eat it. <laughs> don't, don't eat the paper. I mean, I don't, I don't think osmosis works that way. Um, <laughs> just eat the scroll. Take it home. Get your Bible out. I put passage after passage after passage in there. Take the time to gain wisdom and revelation of Jesus and his, uh, his beloved people. Uh, just ask the band to come up just as I kind of close here. Because there are appropriate responses to understanding this. And this is what I want to, to impart to you today is a little bit of a heart. Just, I mean... Guys, I barely scratched the surface on this subject. And we just went through like a hundred verses. And I've barely touched it. 
the depths of the knowledge of the goodness of God. This is why Paul is so marveled by it. Oh, the depths of your wisdom. That's why he says in Ephesians 3, I pray now that you would have understanding of what is the length and the width and the depth and the height of the love of God. This message is the love of God for his sons, for his people. Length, width, depth, and height. That's four dimensions. We only have three. How beyond compare and understanding is the love of God for Jewish people and us being in unity that it takes four dimensions for Paul to describe it? I can't, the, the book can't contain it. My MacBook can't contain the notes that are required to dive into the subject. You have to sit with the Father in the place of prayer and intimacy. You have to sit with Jesus and look at him to see what he sees regarding his people. To love what he loves about his people. To pray what he prays about his people. I want, this is what I'd love to see in a response. I'd love to come back here in six months and just find out. You guys have been having Israel prayer meetings three times a week. <laughs> the, we, we talk about this at, at IHOP, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. The Lord is raising up 100 million intercessors to stand in the gap for Israel. 100 million. That's what we're asking the Lord for. And that's just the start to the Isaiah 62, to stand in the gap for the sake of Israel, that God would set watchmen on the wall to proclaim, he's coming, he's coming. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your head, O you ancient doors. Let the king of glory come in, that they might cry. Remember when Jesus wept over Jerusalem, he said, you will not see me again. Until you say, Baruch, what is it, Baruch? Baruch haba Hamashah. Say it, say it. I can't, I just lost it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I had it memorized and it just fell out of my head. Baruch haba Hashem Adonai. Baruch haba Hashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the, you will not see me again. You will not, until you say this. And so we pray, God, that the Israel, the Israel, that the Jewish people would say, Baruch haba Hashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lift up your heads. Who is this coming up from Eden, Edom with his robes drenched in blood? Who is this coming up from the wilderness? But Jesus, King of glory. So I'm just gonna pray right now. Just go ahead and stand with us all around the room. If you're just feeling this a little bit, like, man, I need to get this. I need to get this. Even just a little. I just invite you to stretch out your hands. If you want to come up here and just kind of stand in the line along the front. We're just gonna, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray over us. I need it too, guys. I get like this much of it, and it's not connecting to my heart 88% of the time. <laughs> it's here, but it's not connecting here, and we need it to connect here. So that's you, just, just put your hands out, come up to the front, I'm gonna, we're just gonna pray. We, God, we just pray right now that you would touch us with the revelation of your love for Israel, for your people, for the Jewish people. Oh, Jesus, you love them. They are your, you are a Jewish man and you love your people and you have promises for your people. Touch us, God, that we would see the apple of your eye as you see them that we would feel what you feel. 
that we would feel the love that you have for Jerusalem. God, that it would ignite our hearts to preach the gospel to the Jew. That it would this just hit me, I just remember this. Paul says this, he says, I magnify my ministry to the Gentiles so that I might provoke Israel to jealousy. Guys, Paul didn't just go to the nations because he wanted souls to be saved. He went to the nations because he wanted Israel to be saved. Engage in ministry in the community, in your home, around the country, wherever you are, for the sake of Israel being saved, that you might get the fullness, that we might all get the fullness of the glory of God. Jesus, right now, touch us. We wanna see what you see. We wanna feel what you feel. We wanna partner with you in your heart. We wanna lock eyes with you. God, save Israel. We pray, save your people. Father, save Israel. Save Israel. God, we ask you peace in Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That peace may come upon you. God, raise up right now. I just, I ask you, Father, for just mark these ones, mark their hearts. Set love as a seal upon their arm, as a seal upon their heart. Mark their hearts with this message to dive into it, to pursue it, to go after it. Give us your heart. Set them as watchmen on the wall. Set them as watchmen on the wall. Lord, give us your heart. Give us your heart. Give us your heart. Just stay in this. Keep going. Keep going. Lord, give us Just sing your this. heart. Sing this as a prayer.
<laughs> right? This is what I want to do. <laughs> God, we ask you right now just for the wine of your spirit. Come and touch us all across the room. At the, the Pentecost, at the day of Pentecost when the spirit was poured out. <laughs> The Spirit was present in joy and affection and love in such a way that the onlookers were like, are you drunk at 9 a.m.? No, we are filled with the wine of the Holy Spirit. So I just ask you right now, God, we just say yes. You're touch us with your love better than wine. Touch us with love better than wine. It's better than anything. It's better than anything. It's better than why. And Lord, your love is better than anything. It's better than why. Lord, your I'm just so I just, what I just see like the Lord I just um, <laughs> driving this lightning rod into you um, and I just the Lord is just going to strike you with something some revelation fire passion electricity just hit your body in such a way and this is what I see is in like the coming weeks you might forget everything that we said today and that's totally fine but in the coming weeks what's going to happen is you're going to open your Bible you're going to read a passage and it's like the light bulb is suddenly on where here 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 you start seeing the scarlet thread connecting all of these things that seemed distant and unconnected in the past and the lord is just he, like it's again it's this like lightning it's just going to hit you moment after moment and you're going to begin to see all of these things that the lord you've never seen before it's going to be passages that you've read a hundred times in your life, a thousand times in your life, and suddenly there's going to be revelation. And I want you to, when that happens, pause, reflect. That is the Father touching you with revelation. That is God showing God to you. Rejoice in it. Let Him, let him stir in it and feel it. just doing something right now if you need to leave and if you have to go get your kids I just want to want you to be dismissed feel free to do that but I want us to just stay in this moment for just a few minutes more if you're able to stay and engage he's doing something right now in the room and I just want to say let's just partner with him let's just agree with you God I don't know what you're you're stirring up or connecting but if you if you want to have conversations I just ask would you take him into the narthex 
Um, but let's, let's just lock into this for a moment if you're able to stay in the room. And just band, I hope you don't mind, just keep going a little bit. Somebody over here, um, this is going to sound very broad, but some recent tragedy and sorrow in your life. If that's you and you don't, it's okay and you're comfortable, just put your hand up. Like a recent tragedy? Is this okay? This works. <laughs> if that's you, that's okay. Just connect yourself with the heart of the Lord. And if you're not comfortable putting your hand up, if that's you on the other side of the room, lock in. It's for you too. So the, 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 there were two messages on my heart this week. This one and the other message, I joked with my wife and I said, many things have I to say to them, but they cannot hear them all right now, which is a Bible reference. But there's the, those of you, there's some of you that have had some recent tragedy, sorrow, you've been waiting. There's some kind of thing missing you've been asking the Lord for and it's painful, it hurts. I just want to encourage you, stay in it. Do not distract yourself from the pain, but feel it and take it to the Lord. 60 something percent of the Psalms are lament. They, they're lament. The songs that we sing are 90, 99% joy and uplifting and all of these things. Where are the songs of lament? in the body of Christ. 60% of them in the scripture are lament, sorrow, woe. Lord, you have shattered my teeth with gravel. I make my bed a fountain of tears. I swim in my bed in sorrow. It is okay to feel that. Take it to him. The, the greatest prayer you see over and over in scripture is how long, O Lord? How long will you wait? How long will you abandon me here? Jesus on the cross, his very words were, Lama, what is it, Sabachthani? He says, Elohi, yeah. They all know it. God, God, why have you forsaken me? God, why have you, where are you? How long will you wait? How long, how long, oh Lord, will you wait? Take those prayers that you see in scripture, just give them to him, say them to him, feel those feelings. And I'm telling you, he's going to meet you in it. He's gonna meet you in it with joy and return some things to you that have been lost, but allow yourself to go through the struggle do not check out, don't distract yourself with media. And there's a couple of you over here, I'm, connect, I'm seeing this on you, that the Lord is calling this for you. Do not disengage from the pain, but you, Jesus, Jesus. God, how long will we wait? 
for you to come. How long must we wait? Oh, but you are good. Let your cry turn to that. You are good and your mercy endures when I feel nothing but your distance. When I feel nothing and you are not present and you have abandoned me. God, you are good and your mercy endures. You love like no one else can love. Allow yourself to feel it. Don't disconnect or disengage. Sorry that was loud. Feel the pain and press in. Lament and mourn for the things that have been lost, the things that have been taken, and take them to Him. He is a good Father. We just talked about He's a good Father. He loves His children so much. He loves His children so much. He has not abandoned you. He's not left you utterly despised and rejected. Pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, not destroyed. Israel is blind for a season. That fullness might come, that the joy might come. Allow the sorrow in that, don't do it. I just did it from the mic. Don't do it from the mic. Go into the place of prayer. Go into your closet and do it with the Lord. It's okay. I'm not, it's not, it's more than okay. It's godly and righteous to lament in prayer and in worship. I need you to hear that again. I need to hear it. It is not only okay, it is godly and righteous for you to lament the things that have been lost and taken and your losses and death. And we don't have to dance and jump around at every funeral. Lament and mourn, weep with those who weep. Jesus said, I played the dirge for you and you did not weep. So weep, it's okay he's going to meet you in it. He'll meet you in it. (laughs) Trust me, guys. My wife has been dying of cancer for 14 years. It's okay. It's more than okay. It is a place to connect to his heart and his love and his affection. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. God, we thank you for your people. We thank you for the plants. Jesus, thank you. You are a good father. You love your children. Lord, we ask you, stir up zeal for the people. Stir up zeal for Jerusalem, for Israel. Stir up zeal for the Jewish people that we might stand on the wall as watchmen. We watch and we wait for you and we will cry out. Do not keep silent until you have established Jerusalem as a praise in the earth. God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just, you can, I just want to say, we're just going to kind of close.
but just stay in this. If Keep your heart postured before the Lord. If you're still feeling these stirrings, just keep that heart posture before the Lord for a couple of minutes. We can turn the lights off. You can stay. It's okay. I know y'all are getting hungry. It's all right. Let that pain of hunger provoke you. Press into the Lord a little bit. Just want to, as you as you leave, Lily and I will be in the back in the in the narthex. We've got some a couple of um, newsletters about our trip to Israel. You can grab one of those. Come talk to us. Come talk to me. I'll pray for you if you want. Pray for prayer. Let's imp- I want the Lord to just impart to you today and touch your heart with his love. Look, just a smidge. I mean, it's just a little. I said, this well is deep. It is a deep, deep well. Some of you, some of, actually, this is this. Some of you are actually going to have to uncap a well here and maybe reprime it a little bit because you've been in the camp that has shut off Israel. You've been in that place of arrogance, so to speak. And you, you've, got to, you've got to undo some things that have been done in your heart. The Lord, I'm going to use this tornado as an example. The Lord has kind of stirred some things up. And some, some bad things have been built, in the, built upon good foundation. And I feel like the Lord today is going to reestablish and say, you know what? Let's tear it down and build up a new foundation central to the gospel and central to my people. We've been through tornadoes a couple of years ago right here in Dayton. There's some tragedy. There's some trauma. But you know what? There's opportunity in the shaking to say, you know what? Let's clear it. Let's start fresh. So some of you, and there's a few in the room, and I'm feeling this, there's a few in the room, like I just see big, heavy stones. This is the picture, laid across, laid over this deep, deep well of love and affection and the knowledge of Israel. And it's been, you've just, you've not only are there deep stones, but over the years, you just keep throwing dirt on it. You kick dirt, you've buried it, you've thrown more rocks on top of it, all these little theological pieces and parts to just, because you don't understand Israel and its importance and you think in our arrogance, maybe that's it, as Americans, we think that God has chosen us. Whatever it is, whatever those things are, right now just begin to repent of them, ask the Lord to cleanse them, ask the Lord to remove those heavy stones, those burdens, those things. Because once that well is uncapped, beloved, it's not only is it deep, it's full. It's full. You don't, there's no like long rope to reach the bottom. Just scoop in and pick it up. There is fresh life giving water in this to your spirit and heart. Uncap the wells. Go deep in this. Jesus, do it right now. Help us in our weakness. God, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.